0: show i gotta say man doing this podcast is bringing me back to 93 94 in ways i wasn't i guess anticipating which i should have i was alive during that time i was me and i remember that as amazing as that time period was for music part of the reason i latched on to the music of that era so you know so so tightly Was because in my life I was doing horribly. I was, um, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old is a rough age for any human person. I think it's a fun age. It's a good age. Don't get me wrong. It's a memorable age, but you know, you're going through some shit and as someone with lifelong depression. And that was like when it first kind of kicked in, that was a struggle. (laughs) Yeah, that was a struggle. And, uh, I took it out on people in my life. You know, I'm thinking back now to the people that were friends of mine at the time, the people I was close to in the time, the people that in a lot of ways helped me get through it. And I'm really fortunate to still be friends with a few of them, some for decades, you know, and I realize that most people, you know, they're not necessarily still friends with the people they were friends with in middle school or went in their freshman year. I get it. I guess I just kind of have some regrets because I just, I don't know, I um, didn't handle that part of my life or that I didn't handle myself very well and I feel like I took it out on some really nice people that uh, I don't know where they are now or how they're doing, but I hope that they're okay and I hope that they've forgiven me. And on the other hand, I'm extremely grateful for the friends that I made at the time, whether we're still friends or not. I'm grateful for the friendships, and I am, of course, so grateful for the music that did a lot of the work in getting me through that time period. You know, it was a lot of time alone in my bedroom, just in bed with a boombox, literally in bed, you know, with a boombox in my bed with me, uh, with a cassette tape shelving thingies, like big plastic molded things two huge ones mounted right over my bed and that's just where I lived (laughs) and uh, that's where the music kept me alive and one of those albums of course was Dinosaur Jr.'s Where You Been (sighs) Woo, man this album (sighs) what can I say well Luckily, I've got Dustin Lentz coming on to help me say things about this album. Dustin is a great dude, uh, a local mover and shaker. You know, just a local, he's like a, like a. what, what do I call this guy? He's a promoter. He's a booster. He's a, uh, like an influencer before there was influencers and without like any concern for some sort of global outreach, I got to say. He acts locally. He is someone that has long been very committed to music. Uh, music is a means of bringing people together. Music is a means of building community. So it was really a pleasure to have him come on and talk about this album because I needed help. This is one of the most important albums in my life, really. I mean, this is just one of my all-time favorite albums, and uh, he's the only person I can think of whose love for this album Rivals my own, if not beats it. But he has a profound love for this album and for Dinosaur Jr., but especially for this album, just like me. So he was an ideal candidate to come on and talk about this. Just a lovely dude, and I'm really happy to have talked with him. The album, Where You Been, was released February of 1993 on Sire Records. It was their major label debut It doesn't say exactly who the album was produced by, but being that so much of it was managed and done by Jay Mascus, I'm guessing he was in charge. And of course, Murph on drums and Mike Johnson on bass. Check out this conversation I have with Dustin Lentz from Pinckney, Michigan. (laughs)
1: I you at the beginning. And- um,
0: yeah. Maybe you just need to maximize it. Maybe I don't know, but I'm definitely putting all of this in the podcast so everyone can learn just how <laughs> good you are with technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My kids do everything, man. Like I, I like I'm lost with this stuff. Oh, you're even wearing a Dinosaur Junior shirt. That's I cool. am, and like the first one you recorded, I do have the vinyl also. Fucking
0: so a, yeah. I think
1: The guy might set a trend, so that I got the vinyl too.
0: Beautiful. I need to get that on vinyl. I still have the original cassette. Oh, nice. That I got uh, from Columbia House.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an old one. That's an yeah. old. One. I have this and uh and without a sound. You know, nice. My favorite. Yeah, my two favorite on uh on vinyl
0: well thanks so much for coming on man I really appreciate yeah. you doing this and hyping me up on the Facebook and all yeah, that stuff awesome. it's really kind that's of you that's what I do I'm a hype man you've you always have been um what have you been up to what are you doing what's going on with your life
1: um you know just raising my daughters you know 18 and 15 Um, doing the dad thing and mm-hmm. you know got the the party store and the pizza businesses and like got, you know yeah just you know living a different life than like when we knew each other you know sure. before but i you know still do some shows here and there and
0: you're, you know, you're playing you know, with uh coke dick right coke dick um, i
1: do a couple of songs with them yeah every you know once in a while it's just ever since coke Vic, that got back together it's just like everybody who's ever been involved in that project to just to be a family and just yeah up on stage and just and do and just do the songs you know so it's uh yeah, yeah. And my old band that was together back in the early two thousands, big ass ham. We've been jamming again together. Since I not so. Yeah, you know, and I still, you know, jam around sometimes with the hardcore band, fucking Swords and Fire. You know, nice. So everything slowed down, you know, from the pandemic. But yeah, sure. just normally, just doing the dad thing,
0: man. Still, still making yeah. music. That's cool. I sometimes, that. yeah.
1: sometimes, yeah.
0: Got how it. do you and I know one another? Tell the good people how you and I know one another. Um,
1: it has to be from the local Ann Arbor. I mean, we're from Livingston County, but yes. from, you know, the local Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti music scene from the 2000, you know, from exactly, you know, 2000, you know, the early 2000s from yeah. whenever, you know, rain is wet stopped and you guys stopped playing. And, um, you know, your old band Kill Drama, you know, probably played with a band, either a band I was in or a band that I liked. And, I liked you guys and I started booking you guys and then you guys did rain is wet. And I loved you guys a lot and started putting you on shows and just,
0: just from that community and, and
1: a great community. You know, we had a great, we had a great, time. We had a great
0: and that, time. And that's, that to me was what, you know, that's how I know you is like you were always to me like one of these organizers of like the scene of community, you know, it takes, it uh, takes a village like anything, but there's always like these key guys, like, like you, like Joel from Flint local 432, you know, there's, yeah. there's always like these certain guys that like, you know, book shows and like, you know, network and stuff. Cause I mean, we, you and I have hung out so many times, but it's always been like at the elbow room or at the blind yeah. pig or something <laughs> like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just that I always wanted to have a good time. And I was at that point in my life where I was playing in bands And I was going to be at the shows anyway. So I might as well book the people I wanted to hang out with. So in the blind, you know, after my old band started playing there a lot, you know, big ass ham, and we started to get a big following. And like I started at shows, I started to put on there, started to, started to draw really well. So Jason Barry from the blind pig just started to trust me with a lot, a lot of dates, you know, local. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much got to the point where like, and during that time period, if if you didn't if you weren't booking it through me, you you were if you were a local Ann arbor you know rock yeah. band, you unless you were a hippie band or or a hip hop band, you weren't going to show there unless you knew me. You no. Know?
0: yeah that, that was
1: I just, I just always had a great time. I just wanted to have a great time.
0: and we did, man. the 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 two thousand five or six or so it was a pretty good run. So as far as this album goes specifically, where you've been, do you remember like how you came to the album, like how you got into it and purchasing it originally and all that? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess a little bit deeper, just in Dinosaur Jr. in general,
1: um, you were talking about, I think it was like like an English teacher that was playing the pavement record. Well, (laughs) I I had a really cool drama teacher, an English teacher named Jeff Brown, Mr. Brown. And um, he, you know, was a converse wearing guy he was from Lansing, but lived in San Francisco for a long time and came back and taught in rural, rural Livingston County. I mean, Pinckney back in the early nineties, there wasn't anything, you know, Mm -hmm. so he was the only progressive forward thinking. Most of the teachers were great. Don't get me wrong. But like, he was the only like outwardly forwardly progressive um, teacher. So, you know, he had all the cool CDs, you know, and he had I think maybe the tape or the CD of, um, of fossils Mm -hmm. and, um, I'd been a huge Cure fan, Cure and Joy Division and Smiths back then. And um, I was a drama kid. So I uh, start, I asked Mr. Brown if I could borrow this. He let me, they had a cover, Just Like Heaven. I I loved it. Just Like Heaven, it ended really, really abruptly. And I was always like, what the fuck happened, man? It's like, (laughs) did I mess up the CD or whatever, you know? And like, and every other copy that you could get, it still just ended abruptly. And I'm. then you find out that they did it on purpose or ran yeah. out of paper, or were too stoned or something like that. And it, I don't know. <laughs> so don't you know.
0: were already kind of a fan
1: when this album came out then? Yeah, yeah. Like um, around that time, I like weirdly got into like Neil Young and Harvest Moon for mm-hmm. some reason. Not not that it's not. That's Neil great. Great. Yeah. And it's not a great album, but it wasn't really like anything that like I had listened to, you sure. know, it was probably for some girl or something. But like, um, right. I yeah, those you know, high school days. The lyrics never put me off you know jays mm-hmm. lyrics never put me off at all so like i was always kind of drawn to it anyways and um cuz it just kind of sounded like you know i kind of thought it sounded like an alternative neo young i guess but i ended up loving him i mean i, that I makes I, sense i think i saw maybe the out there video on 120 minutes um okay one night and like i was like okay well i guess the new album's out so i went. Been- <laughs> i went i went out and bought where you been, but i had gotten like green mine and and bug and you know stuff like that um yeah you know before but you know this was before the internet you didn't sure fine unless you were really 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 a geek you you didn't know when the albums were coming out you know you saw it on 120 minutes <laughs> or heard it on 89x or something like that you know
0: yeah you'd hear about like sometimes way after the fact and be like oh shit my favorite yeah, band released you know, an album like six months ago <laughs> I was the the tender age of 12 when this album came out, and uh, in February, it's see it was February 9th, 1993, and I remember like being in the car with my family, hearing Start Chopping on the radio, being on X, and like we all made fun of it, like we were all laughing at it, like straight up making fun of it. And then I couldn't get it out of my head, you know. Like I was like, I thought it was so weird, but and I like, and I kept on hearing it on ANX. But like, if, and at first I was like, this is dumb, and then I was like, this is brave. This is weird. Like I hadn't heard anything quite like it before. So when I started one of my many, like, three or four different accounts with Columbia House, this is one of the albums that I got. And I became fucking obsessed. I mean, there was pictures of me. I'm going to try and dig them up. There's pictures of me, like, wearing, like, a purple Dinosaur Jr. shirt oh,
1: yeah, with, like, yeah.
0: a purple like Dinosaur a Jr. Cow. hat. With a cow, yeah. Yeah, with a cow, exactly. With and cow, um, yeah. for my 13th birthday, actually a little before my 13th birthday, on April 20th, my stepmom took me to see him. So it was, like, one of my first real shows uh, at the Fox Theater. Yeah, I actually misremembered that. I did not see them on that date. I saw Dinosaur Jr. with my stepmother on November 4th, 1994 at the State Theater. The bands Come and Juned opened up. I got really into Juned and was really mortified that a band called Come was there playing uh, while I was there with my stepmom. Wow. And then I was obsessed. I, like you, I, I'm like, I went and got every album. A friend was over the other night and he was looking at my cassettes and he's like, dude, you've got like 30 cassettes here and seven of them are dinosaur junior albums. I'm like Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I did kind of too, because it was kind of
1: during that time. I was like, you know, when I got into Dinosaur Junior, it was probably like my sophomore year. And this album came out at, you know, my senior year so like that was a time of like nirvana and stuff like that so right. you know, even the outcasts were trying to be outcasts yeah. over the other outcasts so like this wasn't nirvana this right. was something like that and then Star chopping came out and yeah you still hear it and you're like and i and it's funny because we were just listening and my daughter my older or my youngest daughter courtney who's 15
0: mm-hmm.
1: i was doing some listening um in the car to this album and, and yeah. start chopping came on and like he did the high pitch falsetto, and my daughter kind of like just like looked at me like, like, "What the fuck just happened, Dad?" Like, <laughs> like what just happened? But that's the thing; it's so weird and so bad. But it's like, I think Star Chopping is like the soundtrack of like that song, that whole rhythm and the whole feel of it, and yeah, the terrible chorus is like the soundtrack, <laughs> of that whole like mid '90s indie Ooh, grunge gosh. sound. You're right, you know, you know, they weren't punk rock too much and they weren't, you know, grungy. They had guitars ripping guitar solos and like, yeah. Just- the riffs are just amazing. Like not even the guitar solos, like the riffs behind them are just crushing. And, and just it-
0: constant noodling, like through the whole yeah. album, just <laughs> yeah. riffing out. I love that your daughter, that it still turns heads, you know, that, that his, is. his falsetto did. still does that. But, you know, I was listening to it like you um, a lot the last couple of days. And I swear, the the whole album, but especially that song, Start Chopping, which was the first Dinosaur Jr. song I ever heard in my life, it still sounds new to me, which is I think why one of these albums is for me like one of the ultimate Desert Island albums. Like, I've never set it down. I never stepped away from it. It just always feels so fresh.
1: Yeah, and I was just thinking that too with, you know, with a song like, So What Else Is New?
0: Whoa. You know at
1: the end where he's just playing that acoustic guitar and he's just struggling to hit yeah. the notes when he's saying you're the only one it's just heartbreaking and crushing and like I was getting choked up again. Yeah. And I've heard that song 35,000 times, you know You're the only one. You're
0: You're
1: the only one. What other
0: songs do that? You know, pictures of you, I guess. That's a but, good point. There's something about the rawness of it, not just his vocals, but through the whole thing, there's like this raw authenticity that really just comes through. But the album's lyrics in particular, you kind of hit on something. I think that really stuck out to me as like a 12 and 13-year-old, which was that kind of like unrequited love thing. It is very it's actually a really sad album. Oh, it's um, very like very almost
1: you get like a sense of just like just hopelessness and just like, you know, on on a lot of the songs, it's just like, all right, well, I guess this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have to
0: suffer. And right. What else is new? (laughs) <laughs> One uh, <of> <laughs> right. right or uh, did you know that i tried to call you i could hear you on the phone when i tried to call you to see if you were home but you said you weren't there but i could hear you in the background or you're like you're hanging out with these fucking guys that make fun of me at school and they make me so mad it makes me so mad that you're hanging out with these fucking guys like that's there's such like a juvenile kind of thing but like in the place you said me i that's all you ever tell me it
1: seems you don't want to leave it is and it's so accessible like yeah. i was into, like emo and stuff like that and like you're the angry teen and you want to write but like most of us aren't poets you know most of us can't write emo music and he was just writing these just crushing and just like identifying like lyrics but like rhyming say and they and okay and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> It was really accessible, but yeah. still just like, man, Jay,
0: you're just killing me. Like, but I know what you feel. I recently did the, an episode for this show talking about Siamese dream and, and that album and this album to me were like my first introductions to studio albums. Like, cause there's just so much soaring crescendos of all yeah. of it. Like, again, like that noodling, that riffage. And it's just like underlays the whole album. It's so thick. And th- that's what I think I love about, Mm-hmm. you know and there's the people
1: and yeah I'm 48 and too on Facebook too much I'm on Dinosaur Junior pages and oh, I need to join you know, that you know I get a lot of flack for it my favorite albums are you know where you've been and without a sound but like yeah there's something to say with you know with Lou being a part of it and some of the new stuff is is great some of the yeah. best stuff they've ever written but yeah. like but with like with where you've been and without a sound it was almost like they were trying to write polished songs that had meaning, you know, mm-hmm. there was structure to them. It wasn't just like, I'm not saying they were structured to the band and there's structure. They were still fucking around. I don't know if you've seen some of the live footage of them playing stuff from this album, but like it, they weren't writing songs just about, you know, being weirdos and not liking jocks and, you know, jerking off to Uma Thurman anymore. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like actually really good songs and yeah. really, you know, well-written songs.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to, um, so if you had to pick, like, Gun to Your Head, what is your favorite track, and is there, like, a least favorite track? Is that even a thing you could do?
1: I mean, the first two are are amazing, like, Out There and, you know, Start Chopping, you know, Mm -hmm. Start Chopping is the more, you know, poppy, feel-good song, and then, like, Out There, it's just like... guys I don't even play guitar and the guys I'm just like god man what is this guy doing
0: like yeah. even he know, has, has said supposedly that that's like his favorite solo Can that you that. uh Jay Mascus has oh. said that that's like the best riff he ever wrote
1: so, I mean just like the whole song even like the background song of that like I played in bands and I'm not a musician but like you said i, I played in some bands. Right. Just,
0: As singers we're like non-musicians. We just Yeah, show but like, up.
1: I never knew how to play <laughs> an instrument but like once I started playing in bands with like people who like knew how to play and like yeah. I started like appreciating songwriting and like guitar playing. You just listen to it like just listen to Jay playing but like how is anybody on this level? You know what yeah. I mean so like out there is, is amazing, you know, so but probably like get me because it's just I think it's just the whole, you know, like I said, it, it sounds like it could be a Neil Young song, you know, and it's just maybe the hopelessness and despair of just like the whole just just chorus and just like him coming to the realization that like he's not gonna have this girl. You're not
0: gonna get the you. Through this, are you?
1: Yeah, Give me, Give me is probably my favorite. And maybe like the last one, you know, I Ain't Saying is probably, you know, just because it sounds just maybe it was just thrown together, has that like triumphant guitar part. It definitely
0: feels like a last song on an album, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they needed to finish it. To go back to Get Me real quick, that to me really stands out because like as we're talking about like all of the soloing, and yeah. all of that, like all that riffing, like that kind of falls away for "Get Me." So while even though that that's like what really draws me to the album with "Get Me," you do get, of course, some squeedly d's. But I mean, it's a lot more open. It's a lot more just like strumming. The backing vocals are some of the best parts. At least it, it's like they one are. of the best parts they of the are. album.
1: And um, the main, the
0: main like riff, that whole underlying that, like, that
1: whole like underlying part of that, just like.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, being an emo guy, that's what like, <laughs> that's what I liked about songs were uh-huh. like that kind of guitar parts in songs, you know, and it's like, he just nails it. It's a great song. You know, I still listen to it. You know, he does shred still, you know, that whole, oh, very ending, much. Like, he just, he's still shredding. Who was shredding like that? Like back, maybe Soundgarden, maybe Kim Thale, but like. Kim
0: Thale and that, Billy Corgan. That, um, yeah, but still, like still. But that was about it. Like there wasn't a lot of guitar gods in the alternative scene. A lot of it was, you know, I mean, Nirvana. Well, I guess Stone Gossard too. I mean, there was definitely some guys that were ripping, but still fairly limited. So do you have any specific memories tied to this album? The only thing I can think of is just like,
1: just like the time it came out, you know, that school year hanging out in the drama room with my friends you know some who i still talk today you know my friend mm-hmm. Don is in my band still you know awesome. like, just thinking about thinking of mr brown's drama room you know hanging out there listening to music you know mm-hmm. just hanging out with the people back
0: during the innocence i guess yeah i mean yeah it takes <laughs> me back to eighth grade like <laughs> being like a greasy, scraggly fucking bespeckled dude with zits and (laughs) always with a flannel shirt open that I that's still pretty much what I wear all the time. But I also have this really great memory of being in Charleston, South Carolina and on vacation with my family. And we found like I stumbled across like this record store that was just insane it was like an amazing record store you know and i remember like they had all this stuff i got like a frank black t-shirt and i got like a dead can dance t-shirt and they had this huge where you been poster just an enormous where you been poster and i'm like are you fucking kidding me and i bought that (laughs) and on the way back it flooded like it rained so bad that the whole streets flooded oh. i was like walking through sludge like up to my knees just like holding my body over this poster trying <laughs> to protect it you know and it just the edges got frayed and i still have it it's still in wow. relatively good shape Wow, <laughs> consider that, w- that would be a dream i mean that would be a 30 years old <laughs> like yeah I, yeah i i gotta get like a proper glass frame for it because i got like a plastic frame i gotta i gotta adult it up
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, now man. So we
0: are, yeah, my next question, um, I think we've already kind of covered this. You regularly listen to this album, right? Like it's not not one you like put oh, down, yeah. come back no. to. it's like always on the play, yeah, I mean,
1: even even after what was the one after after without a sound? uh hang, um hang, uh, hold, hold, on. hold, hold
0: no. on hold on, hold on. okay, no, so, no. no, hold on uh, hang on, hang on, hold on to my hand hold hand what the fuck so <laughs> that's, about what, See, that's, that's about what i checked out <laughs> right, yeah yeah i mean not that like not that like i don't
1: listen to it now and it's good but you know when that's when i the stuff like mineral and thursday and stuff like that yeah. came out. And, like yeah i just kind of got you know immersed in that kind of stuff but i always always listen to stuff like pavement and
0: hand it over
1: yeah without a sound it's handed hand, it, what, over. hand it. it over that was it over but, you know, still listen to this album and without a sound and, mm-hmm. you know, like slanted and enchanted by pavement. That was sure. always, always on regular rotation. You know, I mean, even even in the screamo days, you know, I mean, it, it I definitely always, always came back. Yeah. And I still listen to it at least once a week, doing dishes, always, always on the vinyl, you know, that or Afghan wigs or or something. You know, I mean.
0: Well, you know, when I had the idea to come up with this podcast, I was like, there's a few select albums that came to my mind, like Afghan Wigs, Gentleman, and uh, Dinosaur Jr. is where you've been. And like, immediately I was like, Dustin, for where you've been, yeah. especially. I'm like, Dustin, yeah. like, I you're the more. only other guy I know that likes this album as much as me or maybe even more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a sound also. I mean, that's 94. So I'd definitely be interested in um.
0: And doing some more talking for sure yeah I definitely I'll have, I'll have you back on for without a sound for sure and some other yeah. stuff too if you're into it so the, uh, did you ever get a chance to see him live i did and
1: i've seen him live and it went well maybe once yeah <laughs> a couple times maybe then there was one time that like i think murph was was just way too drunk it was uh-huh. like the, the re when the, the original three first got back together like pre-covid it was good you know what i mean but it was it was kind of rough you know mm. and like, you know i went to the blind pig
0: show um in like and uh 13 or something that right yeah, i remember that yeah What well, me well, my friend, 2011
1: yeah i you know thought i was a local celebrity and me and my buddy showed up way too way too wasted to try and get into a show and they let me in and they wouldn't let him in and like there was a big fiasco and like another time i think we went to go see with the without a sound tour me and my friend brian mm-hmm. we went, i think it was that clutch cargoes right before they're about to play we light up a joint and they see us and they kick us <laughs> out right at the first, song,
0: first oh, so you, song you kind of fucked yourself here in a few occasions it sounds <laughs> like
1: well, Lollapalooza 93 i saw him and like right in the middle of just like having the tornado hits and like what well, <laughs> was the canvas off the stage you know oh, so it's like yeah it just something happens when i you know i take us to the to the new show and then covet hits and gets postponed three years and then wow you know yeah yeah just
0: i will say that you know your your hearing has been saved exponentially for every dinosaur junior show that you missed those walls yeah the wall of oranges they
1: it's, it's definitely painful. the loudest that blind painful show that, blind show that was painful like, i
0: was like towards the front for that and well, um i was
1: i was deaf for like two days <laughs> you don't need that many oranges for like pine knob like (laughs) a blind pig it was
0: insane every time i've seen like by the the third time i saw him i brought fucking earplugs and i never bring earplugs but the third time i'm like "Uh uh-uh third time you you know fooled me once etc (laughs) etc
1: i i am an old-time musician but i'm not that old-time musician yet i haven't done i haven't went to the earplugs yet
0: as we start to wind towards the end of this interview is there anything that we've not addressed that you wanted to touch on
1: no man just um. know some of the new albums are some of the best stuff they've ever written you know but you still you come back to these and just like the melodies are just like i don't know man i I know i sound dumb but i just you can't put it into words i listen to this stuff now as a 48 year old and i still after the song is done i'm just like man you know that's just it's just it's crushing yeah and but it fills your soul at the same time. I don't know how he does it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you're not dumb. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about <laughs> music. <laughs> but you did bring up what I was going to get to earlier. Um, the new stuff, like I really like the new stuff. I don't stick to it as much as I would expect myself to. Like sometimes I come to the albums a little bit later, even though I'm aware they're out. I just don't jump on it right away. I think I'm in this weird camp. That uh I kind of prefer the Lou Barlowless years. I, I like Green Mind I and Where You Been the Most. I do too. And
1: it's not because Mike Johnson's a better bassist. No. It was just a different vibe and just a different, like I said, they were writing songs that were like they weren't just punk ass stoner kids anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, were, was they were they were still writing songs. Yeah, they were trying to write good songs, not just writing good songs on accident yeah you know, trying to put those songs i think jay was aware of especially with where you've been without a sound that like if they're gonna do it they need to do it with these albums you know yeah they had to put the hooks in melodies in. you know yeah. they had to you know they had to do the buzz clips and mm. but he wasn't interested in any of the videos wasn't no. interested in any of these live performances you saw he's just up there ripping the whole time they played out there I don't think they've played at the same time on one of the videos that I saw, the same. (laughs) They mess up the verses and the chorus and just like the out there video, he's just sitting there playing guitar with mittens on on top of a snow fountain, yeah. yeah. like
0: barely moving his lips. <laughs> <laughs> just showing up for the paycheck.
1: Sure yeah. enough, but and, you like, know, for what it's
0: worth, I think that the stuff that Lou Barlow did in those years was some of the best stuff that he did, too. That Sebado bake sale and yeah. the folk implosion stuff he did for the kids' soundtrack. Like, that's some of the best stuff of his career, in my opinion. It is, and I think it's because he did mature also. You know, they
1: were yeah. just, I think together, they were just maybe just like a bad relationship that you know, seemed great on the outside and they made some great music, but like, was just totally toxic. And, they and then they
0: seem to work it out because the new stuff is really, really good. It is really good. I mean, yeah.
1: they, you know, you, everybody gets old, you know, you get old, and, you get old and tired, you know, you get old and tired.
0: <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. So I got two more questions for you, but before uh, I get to our last question, I got to ask you for when I wrap this up, what song is the appropriate song for you to go out on? Oh, get me for sure. Okay. All right. So I got 90s question for you. I like it. I like it. So this was actually 1993 was a huge year for video games, not just for albums, but for video games. So I'm going to give you uh, some options here and you're going to have to pick your, you're going to sit down with your, I don't know, bowl of popcorn or whatever. You're going to put where you've been on. You're going to play a video game. So I'm going to give you like the winners of the game of the year from a few different companies and also the top selling game of the year. So um, Samurai Showdown, which was for Neo Geo. Are you familiar with that console?
1: you know what i've never been a video game guy so i do not even know what that game is dude i don't know i'm not a
0: huge i'm not a huge video game guy either i took a stab in the dark that you i actually kind of figured you wouldn't be either which is maybe Uh, a good call because that that was like one of the nerd culture stuff i never got into me neither but there is some options here i think you might have feelings about so that's the one like i don't even know what neo geo is um the next one was Star Fox for uh super nintendo no, okay. Disney's Aladdin for Sega Genesis. Gunstar Heroes also for Sega Genesis, which I don't remember. You don't remember either, I'm guessing. But now let's get to the big two. Now this is the real question. So those are those all those other ones are options. But okay. the last one to win Game of the Year um, from Game Informer was Mortal Kombat. Okay. Sega Genesis. And then the top selling game of that year, it made more money than Jurassic Park made in theaters. Damn. was street fighter two. Okay. So which one of those are you going to sit down and play? Cause you don't have a choice. You have to sit down and play a video game. Even if you're not a gamer.
1: Okay. I have sat down and listen to music (laughs) playing mortal Kombat. all right my friends before yes Um, of course because you're from the 90s yes um i wasn't good i did the mash the whole mashing thing where i just mashed the buttons i was a (laughs) masher, and unfortunately it wasn't dinosaur junior it could have been though it could have been maybe i don't think any of my other friends liked it (laughs) mine neither (laughs) none of my pinkney friends i i should say you know i once i got out Ann Arbor and a little yeah. bit more
0: cultured people. Some of the people I was friends with then came to love it, for you sure. know. So yeah, no, I would definitely pick Mortal Kombat as well. Street Fighter Two, if we're playing like on the actual like arcade version, where I'm gonna, I'm gonna mask buttons there for sure. But Mortal Kombat, my brother had that, so I actually knew how to do some of the you know the <laughs> finish ah! Some of the uh, fatalities <laughs> and that kind of thing. So that that would be my choice as well all right man well thank you this is a lot of fun i knew yeah, that like sure. you would be enthusiastic and i really love enthusiasm it. about this this album i loved
1: i loved listening to this i'm at work and i have my headphones and i've been listening to this album non-stop and i and i love it just yeah. every single time it never gets old
0: ever I even threw on uh, Turnip Farm and, like, the Del the Funky Homo Sapiens song that he did. Oh. I, I kind of, like, dug <laughs> into that the era. Greatest,
1: the greatest movie soundtrack song of all time, Missing Link. It <laughs> you has You think? Been. It's much better than that.
0: I wanted to, uh, the single soundtrack is going to be one I'll do a special episode for at some point. That, to me, is, there's a lot all of good nice. stuff on there.
1: Oh, yeah, there is. There is. That Judgment Night soundtrack, though. Woo! Woo! It, it is something else. Junior and Del song. Yeah. yeah. Every
0: dream is shot by daylight, and I'm afraid all right, man. Well, thank you again.
1: Yeah. Later
0: I will later. have you back on if you're willing.
1: Oh, anytime, anytime, any album that you need, you know,
0: just. Okay. Like, you know. I, I I have a few on my tap. Before actually, it depends sure. on uh, how calling. many guests I can rustle up. Dude, these <laughs> are my jams. These, all these, these, this year period is like, I, I can do a lot. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Take care yeah. of yourself. Good seeing you. Yeah, you too. Look, don't worry. I'm not going to be using the podcast as a means of venting my childhood trauma. I'm not going to turn the podcast into my... You know, my therapy sessions. Yes, I divulged maybe a little more than I meant to in the opening of this. But, you know, it's just me in a room and a microphone. I forget that you're listening. (laughs) So, you know, that was me and Dustin Lentz. Dustin, clearly excited about Dinosaur Jr. Clearly, that album where you been still means quite a bit to him as it does to me. It was really nice to catch up with Dustin. You know, we shared a lot of the same stomping grounds about 20 years ago in places that he referred to like the elbow room, a now defunct, it was a bar, but slash venue in Ypsilanti, Michigan, you know, two pool tables, a bar and a stage pretty much. And just enough space to throw your body into the closest friend While the band you're watching plays, Um, he talked about the Blind Pig legendary venue in Ann Arbor in downtown Ann Arbor um, that he booked at for a while. He talked about some of the bands that we are in or have been in. He is currently back in a band that we refer to as Coke Dick Motorcycle Awesome. You heard us talking about coke dick we were not talking about any physiological issues as a result of drug use personally we were talking about his band this band of like seven legendary michiganders or more uh hardcore band called coke dick motorcycle awesome often this referred to as coke dick and his other band big ass ham which has been around forever kind of a goofy name for kind of a fun band Uh, In his other band, he referred to Swords and Fire, or Fucking Swords and Fire, or Fucking Swords that are on fire. I didn't actually quite catch the name of this band, and um, I guess I could have asked him. I could have texted him and been like, hey, what was the name of that third band that you're in? Um, That would have been smart of me, but here I am. And he referenced a couple of bands that I was in, Kill Drama, kind of a screamo band, hardcore type band, and more of an indie rock band in the early 2000s called Rain Is Wet. Those bands might get mentioned on this show again, as might those places as not everyone that will be on here, but a lot of us are going to be coming out of the Southeast Michigan situation and kind of in that similar scene. Jay Mascus is a guy that he's like, I don't know, he's like Indie Rock's grumpy grandpa. Uh, He has just continued to dominate being a guitar hero within the indie rock world only now it's him and Lou and Murph and they like play yachts or like resorts for like a thousand dollars for a weekend that I'm not going to um they do other stuff too I mean they, they certainly are playing regular shows as well I'm not calling them pretentious or anything that you know bands these days have to find new ways of creating income since streaming has kind of uh, killed that for them for a lot of them so i'm not judging but uh they're still loud they're still proud they're still dinosaur jr i will forever be in that band's gratitude for the album where you been and the way that it plugged into my life at a moment in my life when i was struggling and uh, I needed something beautiful and true, and they gave it to me. So thank you. And thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, you can find me at you know, on Facebook. I've got 9394 Music Podcast with Travis Roy. Or you can email me at 9394podcast at Gmail. Perhaps you want to come on the show. Maybe you think you've got to do all this research. You don't. You have to love an album. That's it. Maybe you think you had to start listening to the album when it came out in 1993 or 1994. You don't. These are these are rules that you guys are inventing. I'm not inventing these rules. Um, you can come on this show if you love an album that came out in 1993 and 1994 and that I can at the very least tolerate. I mean, I'm trying to pick albums that I also love for the most part. I will occasionally have albums on that I like or maybe I'm just kind of okay with. But uh, I did shoot down my first album uh, recently, actually twice now. I've shot down the same album twice now, which was Cypress Hills Black Sunday. Sorry if you're a fan. It's not going to be highlighted on this show. I'm not going to spend like a week plus and then editing with an album that I don't care for by a band I don't care for. I'm just not going to do that. That all being said, virtually any other album from 93, 94, please come on and talk about it with me. Perhaps you'd like to come on and talk about the band Tripmaster Monkey and their 1994 album Goodbye Race. I am talking about the band Tripmaster Monkey, not the Maxine Hong Kingston book which they clearly got their name from. This is one of those bands that seemingly no one else knows, even though they were on Sire Records, and that's a major label. They had some radio play, I think. I don't know. I I found them on some compilation album type thing or video and fell in love with them and that album. So uh, it's hard to find anyone in my life who even knows who they are. So maybe someone out there listening likes Tripmaster Monkey too. It's like, holy shit, Travis Roy also likes Tripmaster Monkey. I'm going to overcome my own understandable need to not go on a podcast with a complete stranger. I'm going to overcome that and go talk to him about this fucking great indie rock album from these underrated Iowans. Uh, That is Americans from the state of Iowa. All right, everybody. Thank you so much to you for listening to Dinosaur Jr. for their great music. Dustin Lentz for coming on the show. Yeah, great. Bye. Podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue.